Good morning. You're listening to My Rapids Real Estate Show on AM 1320 WFHR, your weekly radio show focusing on real estate, the market, and everything related to housing in central Wisconsin. Welcome back. I'm Ben. And I'm Carrie Nikolai. And we are with Coldwell Banker Seward Realtors here in Wisconsin Rapids. Yes, we are. Excellent. It's starting to feel like fall. Yes, the leaves are starting to fall in the front yard. They're kind of making their way into the garage. It's exciting times. It's time for the uh, apple spice hot drinks along with it's coffee season again for me. So time to bring out the coffee maker and start making some coffee in the morning and enjoying some coffee. I'm about the same way. Can only do coffee a little bit during the year. You know, got to have kind of a taste for it. Mm-hmm. And also the candles. So, yes. so it is candle season. And I personally like to go over to Ace Hardware and get the Woodwick candles. Yes. I'm not sure if you introduced them to me or not, but they're like, I know you, you liked them. The, the candles with the wooden wick. In right. Them. Yeah, we've been burning them for, for quite a while. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure who brought them to the household, but it was a great addition to it. So that's always exciting. Because according to our insurance company, it's not the best thing to insure a house with a, uh, a wood fireplace. No, but or, you get the crackling with the wood wick. Exactly. So we kind of did a substitute. Right. And again, you know, burning candles, you always want to make sure that you're burning them safely. So make sure that they're in a enclosed container. We always like our lanterns. So we always stick them in the lanterns. You can still hear the the crackling sound, but making sure that they're up. Little kids can't add stuff to the flames to make a larger flame. So always candle safety. Exactly. Um, yeah. So, I mean, these shows are pre-recorded, but Currently, at the time of recording, it is the beginning of September, mm-hmm. roughly. Roughly. We're a little bit after Labor Day. So, yeah, we've got a, a good fall ahead of us. Right. So what do you got going on? Well, in the past weekend, we uh, ended, I want to go with like 90% of the garden. So we took everything out. All the tomato plants came out, the pepper plants, all of that. We found the uh, mystery vegetable. Yeah, we finally figured out what the mystery vegetable is. And it was not lima beans. Okay. I had a thought that it was, but it turns out that it was uh, eggplant. So we're growing some eggplant. And what do we do with eggplant? Those are some very good questions. There's going to be a little bit of Googling involved in there, but definitely we're going to do eggplant parmesan. You can also use it in like a lasagna Type instead of using noodles, you can use the eggplant. So it's it's a really diversible vegetable. Right. So I and that's where my background kind of came from with the eggplant is like substituting things with eggplant or substituting eggplant for other things. Right. It's a it's a high in protein. So, so, okay, so it can proteins. be yeah, it could be swapped out for chicken. So that's where, you know, if you're a vegetarian. Eggplant is the way that you go to get those, the protein that you're looking for. So again, it's a very versatile vegetable. So it'll be, be exciting. We've got a, was able to pick three. I left a few of the plants left. I kind of thinned them out a little bit, but um, we're going to have a little bit more eggplant coming here pretty soon. Nice. Mm-hmm. All right. What else is on the table? Well, what else is on the table is the floodwaters are going down. Right. So to uh, catch some people up, we had some localized flooding over in our neck of the woods in Grand Rapids, um, a little bit south of the Four Mile Creek. I think, I think so. Right. Um, so, geez, the end of August was very, very wet. Yes, extremely uh, wet. Record records were, were set all across the state. So it wasn't just us. Um, and we, we noticed we have some contacts up in Marshfield and they had some unusual basement water coming in as well. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So yeah, the, uh, the water flash flooded and, and wasn't able to soak into a lot of the land mass to the north and east of us. 
Um, so it's kind of in the pathway to go down toward the river and toward Lake Wazicha, and we're in that sort of ditch line. Right. And so it, it just couldn't handle it. It couldn't handle it. So we got a little bit of water in the basement. You know, very thankful that it was just a quarter inch of running water. So it wasn't like a standing water. I mean, it was draining the way that the the ground was pitched in our basement. So our basement floor was pitched the correct way to make sure that all the water was going to our little sub pit. And we were able to keep up with the amount of water coming into the number of water going out. So it was really nice, but it, we were going to be doing a basement remodel anyways. Right. So we managed to get all of our carpeting out and all of the floor tile that we just put in last winter. So all of that came out. Sadly. Yes, very sadly. But again, you just don't know when you, you know, first year living in the house. We didn't know that this was a potential. So it would have and, addressed things a little bit differently. Right. And, and the, the neighborhood, which we've now met more intimately at the uh, town meetings to address the overall issue. Mm-hmm. Um, and they're looking, you know, the town's looking at increasing the drainage ditches or, you know, some other maintenance item so that this doesn't happen again. Right. But the neighborhood consistently said this has not happened in 50 years. Right. So, I mean, we're... It's unusual. It was unusual. So, again, you know, lesson learned. Now, this is similar to, but certainly nothing in contrast with hurricanes, you know, like Ida came in and, mm-hmm. and all of that flooding. I mean, that's just... That's a total different level of flooding than what we right. went through. So, but, you know, we kind of learned a lot about flooding. So, you know, if you notice you got water coming in the basement, again, we've always mentioned, you know, making sure stuff is in plastic storage totes, you know, making sure everything is at least six inches above the water, you know, from, from the floor. So start those shelves six inches above. So that way, if there is water, you do have a little bit more time to get items out of the house. And then, you know, you, you turned off the electricity to the basement or to part of it. So that way, if water did come in a little bit more, that way, as we're walking through this water, we're not getting electrocuted. So smart move. Right. I, and, you know, a little bit of planning ahead, um, especially when I keep hearing that the neighbors just behind us and then behind them had their entire basement full. Yeah, like they were 10 five, inches. Six, yeah, they were five, 10 inches feet. down. Yep. And well, the neighbor that had the four and a half feet of water, it mm-hmm. was a vacant home. So, right. so no were, one wasn't really checking on it. So it, it had its own uniqueness to it. Right. But in the, in the situation of the pumps stopped working and we didn't catch it, mm-hmm. I wasn't sure how fast the flooding would happen. Right. Or if we had catastrophic failure of the uh, floor, floor or foundation, you know, it could just have come rushing in. D- didn't know. Right. Didn't know. Um, the builder of our basement put all the outlets about shoulder height. Mm-hmm. So, you know, you, you got a good four feet of give or take for the basement to flood in in our house without really dealing with electricity. But I just didn't want to hip wader through, you know, 36 inches of water just to get to the breaker panel on the opposite side of the basement. Right. Right. Totally agree on that one. Yeah. Yeah. A lot of this just comes down to planning ahead. Right. So right now we're we're in cleanup mode. Right. So we're gutting the basement. We're going to be doing that in the wintertime anyways. So a little bit ahead of schedule. Right. I went ahead and called A and B dumpsters. So shout out to them. Yep. And they were able to come over. They dropped off a dumpster. So now we're moving stuff. We, we had originally started moving stuff out before the dumpster came. So we were mm-hmm. staging things. And that way, once the dumpster came, we can go ahead and just start moving things right away and um, now we're down to we got to get the studs off the wall and get everything cleaned up that way and we had noticed that the floodwaters is going down so we were able to shop back I used the old carpet cleaner and carpet cleaned a few things so that way we could figure out where the water is coming in and we weren't having as much pooling as what we could have mm-hmm. So, but now it's, I think the next step is letting it dry, dry, and then we're going to have to go through and kind of spray the floor with bleach and start treating for, for mold. Right. And the, the key thing is to get the absorbent items out. So all of the wood, I mean, mold is naturally in wood products. It's just mm-hmm. dormant, you know, just like yeast and stuff like that are in, you know, bread products and, and all that jazz. 
So getting all of the wooden stuff out that is moist is, first of all, very important. And then secondly, like you said, come back and using some remediation sort of products. Then we, we also called over to SureDry to yep. get some options of what the next steps are. Mm-hmm. But I, I think we'll be able to, on our own, dry out everything that's down there. As after the, the paneling's out and the carpet's out and the stud work is out, we've just got concrete. Right. Right. So, yeah, we're going to have to look at how that's going to go, how that's going to kind of play out. So for a little while, we're going to have to have everything stored in different locations and kind of have, have a little bit of path. It almost felt like, you know, dorm living right. for a little bit there, but we now have a new path to the front door. So now we can use our front door again, which is great. Having to relocate some items in the house. You, you again, you know, I mean, we just moved in a year ago, like mm-hmm. almost to the day. And that aha moment of how much stuff you have and then new house where do you put all the stuff. Right. Especially if we're used to having an attic and now we don't. And, and we were still just trying to figure some of that stuff out of where do we put everything. So so now we moved again, except just to the, you know. To the higher level. Higher level. We'll have to figure it out all over again. Yeah. Uh, so we mentioned, I just had a thought. We mentioned um, stuff in the basement, you know, keeping it up a couple inches off the ground. Mm-hmm. And it's also a good idea because it's ergonomic. Who wants to bend all the way to the ground if you don't have to? Right. So keeping those bottom shelves open, that, you know, it's a good idea for storage too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What's, what do we got next? Um, so we, we had the basement. We had, we talked about that. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I've been sharing a couple of uh, videos, some YouTube content from um, contractors in different parts of the country about, you know, dealing with water and, and in the house and what to do and steps like that. Um, we decided to tear out everything in the basement because we needed to go that far for a remodel. We probably wouldn't have to. but And I'm sure some of the listeners are going, well, when you bought the house, didn't you notice th- something? Was there any indication of prior flooding no. or, you know, this crack in the, in the floor or this crack in the wall? Would this be a possible water entrance area? And, you know, we didn't really see anything that threw up a whole lot of red flags of this is going to be a potential water logged basement. Right. It, it was, and like I said, our neighbors haven't seen this in ages. Right. So we, we were confident that it, it wouldn't happen, but um, now we understand more about how it happened. So they had uh, some engineering conversation come in and, and talk about our soil types in our neighborhood and, Mm-hmm. surrounding area so there's there, there's quite a logic of why soils drain quicker than others and how the kind of the water flows underneath the ground right right so it, it's going to be interesting to kind of watch and and kind of see how things are going to go so you know stay tuned and you know for those listening the fox is okay the cat is fine she is she just won't go in the basement now she just kind of stares like she wants to go and then she just turns around and walks away. So, but she's, she's good. She's learning how to find all of her favorite chairs to sit on again because they're full of items and things. But as we're starting to sift things through and kind of reorganize, she's finding her, her little comfy spots of being able to watch out the window. And we were also doing uh, some renovation work up in the living room. Mm-hmm. So our living room had uh, it, actually decent quality paneling. Right. It just wasn't affixed to the wall. Well, it was kind of stuck. Okay. Four nails is not kind of stuck. They, they kind of used some glue. It's still questionable. But yeah, I mean, you know, the paneling came down. I mean, it was super easy. It was just, you know. Patch some holes and yeah. do a, a skim coat with um, some kills, you know, primer sealer. Mm-hmm. Yep. And that was, you were doing that just before the... Uh, rains and the flooding happened. Yeah, we just got the paneling off and then the house flooded. So we kind of took a little bit of a break from there. But as the water's coming in, there's not much you can do. I finished sanding and, and got everything all painted so that way we can move the move everything up against the wall and have more floor space to reorganize some of that living room stuff so that way we'd actually have paths to mm-hmm. to corners. And 
quick pro tip when you're sanding drywall using an attachment for a shop back. Oh, that was a such a blessing. And I always not only doing that, but getting the bags, the filter bags to put into the shop back itself. Mm-hmm. It's just an extra layer of protection for that vacuum cleaner. I don't know how many, well, I do know how many shop backs I have wrecked by just going with no filter, just the regular filter that comes with it. Um, it just, that drywall dust is so fine that it gets through that and it gets into the motor and it's going to burn out your motor. Right. So having that extra layer of doing a bag system, so much easier. It, it saves on shop backs. So definitely love those things. And also dust in the air. Right. You know, then it, it really cut down mm-hmm. and I could tell the difference. I had to change the bag. So now that I have that new bag in there. Before we use a shop back, even though that I only had to sand, I think, three quarters of a wall, that bag that's currently in there, that's going to get pitched and a new one's going to get put in there. So that way we're not holding that drywall dust in in the bag. So change them often, but right. works really well. If you find yourself doing a lot of wet shop backing versus dry shop backing as well, having two separate vacuum cleaners, one mm-hmm. dedicated to each substance is... I think a good idea as well. Right. And we didn't have that option for our flood situation. So we just took Mm -hmm. our carpet cleaner. We've had it for 11 years. So I'm okay with using that in the basement and sucking up all the paint chips and everything else that's kind of coming up off that floor. And so we trashed one and that's okay. So we got some dehumidifiers downstairs in the basement as well. Mm -hmm. Um, And that kind of does two things, actively taking the water out of the air, holding down the moisture, and also circulating the air because it's got the fan and it blows around. Right. So I, perhaps we add another fan, I'm not sure. You know, so fans and circulating that air so that it can get out mm-hmm. and it doesn't dwell and, you know, collect down the concrete walls, which are now colder. Right. Yeah. So yeah, we're going to have to take a look at that and, and see. Lots of projects. I know. I know. We were going to wait on some of them, but you know, life happens. And now is the time. All right. So let's kind of delve. I mean, I know that you got your stage style and blog stuff not up. And so we might not be doing that. No, I I thought we were going to talk about market stuff. Oh, we we are. But I was going to do market stuff and then lead into a stage style and blog. Well, then do the market stuff. And I'll okay. Get and my, you're going to do that? My clickety-clackety computer. All right. Excellent. So let's jump into this. So today at our staff meeting, because we do our staff meetings on Wednesday morning, so it was really nice to chat and kind of learn about a few things. So if we look at our residential listings, so this past month, or as of January 1st to August 31st, so the first part of the year, we are looking at a total of 494 homes listed, and the number that were sold out of that number was 421. So, nice. Pretty much all of them? Pretty much all of them. But I think we're at uh, 80-something percent converted? Yep, 85% of the market was sold. So we're looking at our average list price that was sold. So our average sold price is going to be $169,000. So almost one seventy. Right. And average is different than median. Right. Because statistics. Right. We love our statistics here. So our sale price to list price ratio is at a 101.15%. So again, we're selling a little bit above that list price. It's Mm -hmm. not outrageous, but a little bit above that list price. So when you're seeing the homes listed for 120, more than likely they're going to be selling for that 121, maybe 122. And that's even taking into account some of the other properties that didn't sell for list price dropping down Mm-hmm. you know, under price or for some other reason was offered a lower price. Right. On average, we're, we're still well above. When, when we look at, at those types of averages um, for, you know, sales price versus sold price type of deal, 
um, you said 101? Yes. That 1% is actually significant. Um, it, it means thousands of dollars, thousands of dollars on average. Um, when we get into the average stuff for other categories, uh, 1% might not be so, um, should I say it, so, so dramatic. Mm-hmm. But with that particular category, yes, 1% is, is quite significant. Carry on. Okay. All right. So we're looking, you know, we always look at, too, the average days on, on market from the time of it listing to the time that it is listed as sold. So we're looking at 74 days. And if we back out 30 days for having a loan in there, so it usually takes about 30, 30 days to have the loan processed. 30 to 45. Yep. So we take that out. I mean, we're looking at 40, 44 days on market before we get the accepted offer. So it's still, still a decent number. Right. There are some offers that go a little bit quicker, skew those, right. Go a little bit quicker or they last, you know, like a year and a half. Something like that. So it all depends on the situation. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Traditionally, Things like foreclosures do take longer just because you've got more moving parts, more people involved, mm-hmm. and cash sales go we can faster. Get those, yeah, with a cash sale, we can pretty much get those closed. I always do about two weeks. Maybe three, just to be comfortable. Yeah. You know, but just, the, the fastest that we usually see is a two-week. A two-week turnaround. So go ahead, break out that cash, and show us the money. And we'll show you a home. We'll get you in. All right, so if we were looking at year over year, because that's one thing we always like to look at, too, of what happened last year to what's happening this year. Are we keeping with the same trend? Are we going above? Are we going below? So when we start looking at that that trend, you know, current, you know, our current period, again, it, we're looking at 421 homes that were sold a year ago, 395. So it's an increase of 26 homes. So again, we're selling more homes. Homes are selling more. Um, so let's see here. We'd look at the average sale price. So again, we had said that was the 169 last year at the same exact time. We're looking at $146,219. Okay. So a 16% increase. It comes out to about $22,000 of an increase. And now, now- we're talking about the beginning of the year until now mm-hmm. versus the beginning of 2020 until August of, or the beginning of end of August in 2020. Mm-hmm. And we know how crazy 2020 was. Um, and by this late in the year in 2020, it's, you know, things were kind of settled and, and smoothed out as far as, the, all the dynamics with the housing market and people wanting to buy versus sell. Mm-hmm. So we were in, in a role. So looking at this year compared to last year now is much more reasonable than doing it in March. Right. So yeah, th- this is pretty good that we're still up. Um, thinking back to the period in 2019, 2020 saw increases again in the 15% or more. So now we've got another 16% increase over that. It's it's a good time to sell the house. It is. It is. So if we look at land, because we always have that question after we, we showed a family a couple homes and they haven't found anything that they really like. So they always ask the question, well, what if we build? So current, again, number sold, 96. A year ago, 49. So a difference of an extra 47 pieces of vacant land that sold. So that's a 96% increase in vacant land being sold. A lot of that has to do with the inventory that's available and how fast it's been going. Like you started out with your statistics. It's, we've had conversion of uh, 80-something percent listed mm-hmm. versus sold, and that's been this way now for a solid two years. Right. And so people have, have finally been looking enough and have been contented to stay where they are enough to make it through the market. And now they're saying this is probably going to continue. And we think it probably is going to continue for the most part. 
So what's that next step is, yeah, I can't find something. I can't find anything quick. I, yeah, let's build. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, we can find a, there's a lot of vacant land out there that we can take you to. We can show you around. So if, and you, like, have, if you like the location, if you like that location, that's where you want to build your dream home and the land is for sale now. Yeah, let's buy it now. That way it's not going to go away. So it's not like the house where it's like, oh, I had my heart set on this. And I had to fight with nine other families to get the house and I lost out on it. Right. So, you know, find the, the area that you want to live in. Let's find some vacant land in that area. And, and when we bring buyers into houses, we remind them that there's going to be some compromise. You're not probably going to find the house that meets all of your checklist. Mm-hmm. But if you have a house built, then it can be built to your checklist. Right. So, but yeah, that's the market. That's a little bit of a, of a market update. And so I, I was on the computer here mm-hmm. cracking my knuckles as, you know, computer people do. Okay. And sold for Wood County in August of 2021. So the. Just August. Just August. So I, I did a sold search for residential, right? 107 units. Or, or, yep, 107 were sold in Wood County in August. Okay. So just last month. Days on market, the average days on market was 72. So that's falling in line with our smaller locality. Mm-hmm. The median list price, 170000 The median sold price is 175000 So Yeah, very close. Again, that's right in line with 101%. Mm-hmm. And it's 175000 overall in the county. That's higher than our locality down here in the Wisconsin Rapids area. Very true. So a lot of things were looking very good. Um, let's see. The highest one sold for 725000 Okay. So th- like three quarters of a million dollars. The... Lowest price sold was $21,000. So, and it's not land. It was, you know, just residential listings. There are a couple that were brought to us, were brought to market by agents outside of our area. So okay. listing from South Central MLS and Northeast MLS. So. You know, and, and we've seen that where family has a favorite realtor and our licenses. Covers the state of Wisconsin. The entire state. Yeah. So we welcome those people listing houses because, hey, another house on the list is another house that we can sell to potential buyers. Correct. This is exciting. It is. It is. It is really, it's a good indication that, again, the housing market is still very strong and it's still continuing to be strong. And it's still the still a perfect time to to sell. So I'm gonna type in the computer here a okay. little bit. We're gonna take out the dates of last month, and instead of sold, we're, we're gonna, gonna go slide with active. over to active. So this is active, no offers. Correct. And I'm looking in Wood County altogether. Okay. Just, you know, for fun. So it's right. got Marshfield and Pittsville and everybody in between. 97 are active with no offer currently. Listing price between 45000 and 823000 All right. So some of them have been on the market for a while. Most of them haven't. Okay. What's our average days on market at this point? 64. That's not too bad. Well, we've got one that's been out there 517 days. Okay. So that kind of skews. A little bit. That that median number is about 40. Okay. So, uh, again, that's that's pretty comparable. Uh, we can look just in Wisconsin Rapids. We've got 24 just in Wisconsin Rapids City. Um, looks like the low is 45. Thousand. The high is three ninety nine. So, and I know where that three ninety nine one is. I think so too. Yeah. So it's the address is four ten Payne. Yeah, in 
That's our, our listing. So it's a beautiful home on 15 acres. Mm-hmm. Got a couple of outbuildings too. I believe there's four outbuildings. So it's a very beautiful, I think it's, what is it? 3,000 square feet. So we're roughly around that 3,000 square foot mark. Right. So it's a very beautiful home. And we're going to be doing an open house on that one on the 18th. Okay. So more to come on that or on the Facebook, but... On the 18th, September 18th, we're going to be doing a open house over there, and hopefully we can get some families in there to take a look at it, because it is it is a home built for, for a family. Right. It has two large living room spaces. Mm-hmm. So, you know, entertaining, there's one right off of the kitchen, and then upstairs has... I call a- it the kids' entertaining suite. Yeah, well, and, and it's got kind of two separate areas. So you got storage in like a little den area right on the uh, landing of where the stairs come up to the mm-hmm. second floor. Um, sort of an office area in the back. You could probably use it as a fifth bedroom if you want, but it's a little small. It's in the sort of in the eaves as it goes down. Okay. And then right next to a, a full bathroom up on that second level. Right. And uh, up a couple steps is kids' play area. Right, and it's it's a huge room. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, you definitely, definitely have the space for, for a large family and it's definitely worth a, a check to come out, check it out. So we'll be out there on September 18th, I believe from 11 to 1230. Fantastic. I know. And if you want to check it out online, you can head over to myrapids.com or if you're you know, in the Zillow forum and you like using that platform, go ahead and check it out. It's 410 Payne, P-A-Y-N-E. Excellent. And there's also a virtual tour with that. Nice. And I love, I love that virtual tour. So that way you can kind of walk through the home and get that idea of where everything is at. Right. We're one of the few firms that does virtual tours here in the Wisconsin Rapids area. Mm-hmm. So I, I think our sellers get a big benefit that multiple buyers can be in and walk through their property without physically having to be there. Right. Yeah. So that's, that's pretty neat. Wisconsin Rapids has quite a few, 24 houses. Excellent. Listed for sale. Let's see. Do we want to. I was to say, can you do the greater Wisconsin Rapids area and just see what that number looks like? So we can grab Port and Nakusa and Saratoga, Buren and a little I... bit of Kellner, a little bit of Grant. I can. Okay. I know it's just an extra clickety-clacks. The, the trouble with some of those is if you're doing an area search, it might not pull from like the South Central and Northeast. Very true. But we can get a rough idea. Right. And general area looks like we're at 44 listings. And that's where we've been hovering quite a bit. I want to say the last two months is around that. Mm-hmm. That upper 40s, we've seen, you know, almost 60. And that's closer to the weekend. And then come Monday, it usually drops a little bit more. And right now, like you said, it's Wednesday. Mm-hmm. Um, just after a holiday weekend. So it feels like a Tuesday. Mm-hmm. It's, I love the holiday weekends. I understand why we have them. But it kind of screws with, you know, what day of the week is it? Well, that and we totally forget that sometimes sellers go out of town for the weekend right. and as we're writing offers or we're writing writing amendments i'm like yeah we can get an answer by monday not a problem and it's like oh shoot wait um that might be a problem i was scheduling things like you know our tree that got struck by lightning and mm-hmm. the dumpster delivery and and both of those great people to talk to and i had to keep reminding them that sure monday would be great but are you really working on a holiday i mean we are we we'd be home but they're like, oh, no, that's right. I forgot. Right. And so now we don't have any holidays until the end of October. Halloween, come on. Okay. But then we've got November, December, and January right next to each other. The holiday season. So we're looking at listings in Wisconsin Rapids area. Like okay. I said, 44. The low is about that 45,000. It's 44.9. The high is 549.9. Okay. Mm-hmm. The median list price is about 130. It's 129,700. 
Okay. So again, so that, again, affordability, right? very much, you know, very much affordable. And if we're looking that current median sale price, or excuse me, list price, to what we saw with Wood County in general last month's sold median price of you know over one hundred and seventy thousand. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's a little bit of a disparity, but still within very much that affordability of of our area, and it's it's increasing a little bit. But even a year or two ago, when we were doing our, our budgeting, we were looking at median prices we're hovering right around 130 right. to, to what we've sold just in our, in our team here. Right. So these are good things. Uh, you know, people saying housing bubble and things are going to explode and just drop out you know, the floor from underneath everything. It, it doesn't, no, doesn't no. seem that way. I don't think so. Luckily, that's also a sentiment mirrored by pretty much every economist that's in Yahoo Finance and MSN Finance. So we're feeling good about that. So on to staged, styled, and sold tips. Oh, yes. Okay, you're going to like this one. All right. Let me see here. From the National Association of Realtors, we, we go and we look at the styled, staged, and sold blog. This one is about happy hour at our home, how to stage a home's bar area. Ooh, all right. Mm -hmm. So this is a culmination of a number of different uh, people writing the blog. So they're taking it from a bunch of different areas. They suggest start in a corner. The uh, small bar area in a home can offer up some fancy design. After all, you may be celebrating happy hour more often at home after a long day of remote work instead of actually going to a a brick-and-mortar establishment. Mm -hmm. So they suggest don't overlook the bar as a staging area when you're staging your home to sell. Many designers weigh in with some of their favorite inspiration and tips for your home bar. Now, I, I know that you and I have been taking... Many, many, many buyers from out of the area here into Wisconsin. I'm guessing roughly 85% of the homes in Wisconsin have some sort of bar in their in the, home. In the basement. And usually in the basement. Yes. There, there are some, it was a trend in the 70s, you know, with the sunken uh, living rooms to have a wet bar upstairs. Mm-hmm. So Fantastic. Let me see. So like I said, the first one is find your entertaining corner. You know, corners can sometimes be underutilized. So uh, a corner niche, a bar. Yep, put in a corner hutch, something like that, so that way you can have everything on display. So when first deciding where to install your home bar, think about the areas of your home where you do the most entertaining that also have a large, empty wall. Notable places could be your dining room, living room, basement, or garage. This will turn a forgotten space into something that is both functional and stylish. Says Marlana Treek from New York-based Tech Designs. All right. Um, I, I heard one of our buyers, we were talking about the bar thing, and they said actually uh, down, I think they were from Carolinas, they said, we have bars, but they're out in the garage. Mm-hmm. So there, there's that. I uh, just uh, took photos of a house. Um, I forget who listed it. I think it's someone in our firm. And they turned their two-and-a-half-stall garage. They had a sauna in the back corner and, you know, the entertaining space, the little workbench. You could still pull a car in next to it, though. All right. This next one is add color pops. With glassware, mm-hmm. um, this this if you do it right, it could have a modern twist. If it's done differently, it could be very much twisted uh, to a. And we've seen a little older a, style, a little bit of this where they took that they made a closet. So they may have had like two entryway mm-hmm. closets, and they turned one of them into that hidden bar area. So if we weren't going to be entertaining, we can close it off, and it just looks like a regular closet. And then, you know what, if we're going to be out in that den area, we can just open everything up. We've got the wet bar in there, too. 
You can do the mix, mix your drinks and have your built-in ice cooler and just have a good time and be able to use your Don as that little pub. And some people's goal in home design is to get to a point in life, you know, when, when have you made it? Well, I've made it once I can have my own ice maker machine in my bar area. Mm-hmm. Right? Mm-hmm. So Mel Bean from Mel Bean Interiors, Tulsa, Oklahoma, suggests celebrations bring out laughter and good times. So why not have fun with your bar area as well? Choose colorful barware, coordinating colors, and consider open shelving to display the glassware for easy accessibility. Color coordinate, right? Mm-hmm. Like you said, this next one is redo existing spaces. Mel Bean also suggests making use of existing spaces, adding some shelving, and voila, you can create your own mini bar. You can use prefabricated shelving units. Uh, maybe kitchen built-in, so, you know, kind of repurpose. Uh, maybe storage for what's meant maybe for, like, the uh, the garage mm-hmm. shelving, you know, or kitchen design stuff elsewhere in your house. As far as kitchen built-ins, consoles are great places to start. And, and this bar concept does not have to always, you know, include the liquor. So, I mean, this could be mm-hmm. your coffee station. This could be your tea station. So... Definitely, you know, don't think that this is just going to be, you know, how to add that bar in there. You know, you can think outside the box of making sure that, you know what, if we're a heavy tea drinker, that we have a place that we can go and we can have our afternoon tea and have our morning coffee and just have everything right there. So that way maybe our kitchen is not as cluttered as what it could be because we now just took that whole entire beverage station and just kind of moved it to a different corner of the house. And if you're into fitness and you like smoothies, have the smoothie bar. Right. Right. You can put in, you know, that little tiny college dorm room size refrigerator and you can have everything right there. So again, you're using more of the house for different items. So you just said something that sparked an idea. Mm -hmm. This could also be kind of wrapped around with the kids. Mm -hmm. You know, so, hey, kids, this is your like beverage area. We're going to say for this week, we're going to have these two style of beverages and have fun with it. You know, cocoa with whatever sprinkles and toppings and things like that. Mm -hmm. And then it's like, just help yourself. Maybe put out an allotment. So you're only allotted, what, two or three, you know, cups or something like that. So yeah, this could be fun. We'll make it for the kids too, perhaps. Right. Okay. So the last one in the article is from Lance Thomas. Down in Louisiana, Thomas Guy Interiors. What you said about like a portability option, mm-hmm. right? How about a bar cart? Ooh. Huh? So a new or vintage bar cart creates an appealing addition to a living or dining room. Bar carts can hold most of the bottles and stemware you need in a compact space and with little investment. And then if you don't like it in a particular spot, you can move it somewhere else or lock it in a closet so the kids don't get it. Right. That way, if you like to, you know, maybe a certain group entertains better in the kitchen versus in the dining area versus in the living room. Yep. Um, and a quick tip, this photo is the small bar, bar cart on hardwood floors with casters. So... Having a solid surface floor, very helpful with this. Right. And even, you know, if you did that movable island cart Mm -hmm. that is out there, you know, using that, repurposing that into, again, you know what, I can move this around from different parts of the house and I can have my coffee over here and maybe next weekend I'm going to, you know, go over here. So again, having that little bit of change up of we're home so much, so I want to be able to utilize the different rooms and still have that connection of, you know what, I really want to have tea over here. So I'm just going to move this cart over here into this corner and I'm going to have it here and just kind of see what the birds are doing over in this corner of the house, you know, just kind of play with it. Or if you're having a a large group, you know, I'm thinking of the kids again. Mm -hmm. So if they come in and you think entertaining them in a, you know, in the living room versus in the kitchen where you normally have your kids cocoa station, let's go with that. You know, now it's on a cart and you can just move it in. 
right? Or even like the little tiny snack bar. Mm -hmm. So maybe when after school, you know what, before they head off to school, then you head off to work, you know, make up their little snack cart. So that way when they come home, you can have that in the living room because you're going to be doing supper. So that way they're not coming into the kitchen and getting in the way because they need their afternoon snacks. You can have it all set up and you can just put it in the room where they're going to have their snack time and be all good. So now we talk a lot about this as if we're living it, um, but considering these types of things as you're staging it for sale, mm-hmm. you know, so if you've got maybe the the extra piece of furniture, what, you know, what are you going to do with that? Well, let's make it into a bar cart, right? stage it as that. Or if you've got a, a weird spot in your kitchen, um, for instance, our, our listing over on pain. Mm-hmm. Um, it has an, an extensive kitchen. It's very large. Um, some parts might need to be staged. You know, if if this were your property, you might feel that you want to stage this certain end of the kitchen as a bar area, so it gives it more purpose. Like mm-hmm. someone walking in can imagine that this would be an option to have in this area. Right. Right. Yeah. Excellent ideas. And of course. There's always the option to build in, you know, a full bar in your basement because you mm-hmm. want to put the shag carpet on it, you know, or is maybe that's not, maybe it is coming back. It might be coming back. Well, and we did ours, you know, so when we moved to the new house, I used my bar more for a craft area than I really did for drinks. So with the whole entire, you know, getting older. I don't want to be going downstairs. We brought that bar upstairs and we're still able to do the craft. I can still do the crafts, but we can still do all that stuff because I don't have to go in the basement anymore. So again, it's not just we're going to have a bar, but how can I reuse that? How can I stage it to make it look like, oh, well, you can have it for this purpose yet too. And conveniently, if you happen to have water in your basement, you don't have your expensive, what? Well, handcrafted bar. Getting wet. Right. Which, I mean, that's just a tragedy. It is. It is. But like we had discovered as far as um, using these things, that bar height is very, very helpful. Mm-hmm. Um, and even when, you know, we were moving some equipment up from the basement and I had to do some computer work, I, I found the bar was open. And it felt like working at a sit-stand desk. Yes. You get the bar stool up, so if you need to sit, you're still at that right height. And if you need to stand, you're going kind of at that right height. So, mm-hmm. you know, the the bar is very, very universal as far as what we can use it for, because for the longest time, that's where I had all of my sewing stuff. We didn't have any of the glasses there because all of the scissors and thread was actually sitting underneath the bar. And then on one side was also then the scrapbooking part. So... When I was doing scrapbooking, I had everything right there, and we just had to go find the liquor when we wanted to go have a drink and actually use the bar for for entertaining. And we even used it for, with all the nieces and nephews, they came over, we did crafts on there, was able to put six kids around the bar, and one person can help them out because it was a small enough bar, and they can still, you could reach everyone, and you could utilize it that way, and even the nieces and nephews still to this day just enjoy coming over and eating dinner at the bar because they don't have a bar in their house. So they come over and they eat there because it's a unique place to be. So it's not just a place to drink and get drunk. It's a place that can be very useful. Mm-hmm. That's neat. It really is. Um, yeah, we've done puzzles on there. I mean, oh yeah. we had the pictures with all of our Yodas around the Star Wars puzzle. You know. Our youngest came home, he did a puzzle, and he did it at the bar because he didn't want to sit down. So he was able to stand and put together a puzzle, and we put all the Yodas around it so that way they could watch him put together a puzzle. Card games. I mean, the mm-hmm. list just goes on and on. It does. It's really just an elevated working surface. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And you can get as fancy or, you know, like we, you purchased a pre-made wooden um, cabinet. Yep. Essentially, as the bar, but yeah, you build it yourself, two by fours. There's a lot of instructions to Google and YouTube. You really go down that rabbit hole. Oh, yes. 
So we do have a lot of events coming up here in the fall time. So check out the website. A lot of them mirror the Chamber of Commerce websites mm-hmm. as well. Um, I know we've got run with the cops in the evening. I was going to say, yep, that one just got added to our list. I believe it's October 7th. It is a Thursday. And we are going to be another glow station. So we're going to be down there and we're going to be supporting the Special Olympics that evening. So definitely come out if you want to do the run walk. I'm pretty sure there's a website that we could direct you to. We'll have that link up on our website of where you could register for that 5K. But it's a beautiful walk at night along the river. And if you haven't seen it, come on down. It's really neat how they put that together. Yeah, and it's a good connection with the local law enforcement as well. Mm-hmm. So that's that is that is a lot of fun. I know a lot of people have, you know, that is like one of their highlights of the year. Yes. <clears throat> so check out our social media for that, especially the Facebook, mm-hmm. um, the Instagram. Some of that hard, some of that is hard to share. So Facebook is, is where a lot of the sharing happens for that. Also, if you're looking for listings, check out myrapids.com. General area information is over at myrapids.info. If you want to send us some comments or questions, if you've got ideas of topics that you want us to cover, you know, real estate is very dynamic. Mm-hmm. Send it to myrapidsradio at gmail.com. Excellent. And I think you have a phone number. And I do. So it's 715-323-2577. So give me a call. If you have you know a question, you can text me at that same number. And it- We'd be happy to answer all your questions. And I know the uh, it's it's coming into fall, but it's still a good time. There's a lot of open houses that our firm is doing. Mm-hmm. Um, I know we we push those out to the newspaper, the Daily Tribune, I think the City Times as well, um, and also the Facebook pages is heavy with that. Yeah, and those also get disseminated to like Realtor.com and, and Zillow. Zillow. So if you're looking for open houses, check out the place where you get your real estate information. The information should be there. It should be. And if you have any questions, again, just give us a call. We'd be happy to let you know whether or not there's an open house at at a particular property. Sounds good. All right. Well, you all have a great Central Wisconsin day, and we'll talk to you soon. Bye-bye. Stay tuned and come back for hour two of My Rapids Real Estate Show, where we take a deep dive into central Wisconsin real estate market and more housing-related topics.